Sigs, last episode, we talked about how community care is a form of support that demonstrates compassion and kindness to others. We also talked about how there are various types of community care. You know what? Yeah, I was thinking from the last episode how you named off a few, like advocacy, volunteering. Yeah, and I think that those are two typical types of community care actions that help communities out. Also, on the last episode, you linked community care to the idea that we give support according to whatever resources or time that we have. Now, you know, being a busy partner and a father of two leaves me not much time to volunteer, for example. What happens when you don't have that dedicated amount of time to offer? Mm, Good question. Our offer of community care should, again, always be related to what we have the capacity to provide without compromising ourselves, you know, or otherwise we're going to burn ourselves out. Mm -hmm. However, if we live out that philosophy of community care, which again is caring and being kind to the community we've chosen to support or are part of, and we live out that philosophy on a daily basis, we can actually take everyday actions that can have a sustained and meaningful impact on the communities that we'd like to support. So what are some of those daily actions that you're talking about? Mm, Some of those daily actions that can demonstrate support and community care, but are also a part of our lives are acts like shopping and buying. Shopping and buying. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes our conscious consumer choices can help support a community or cause or even both. And I know you do this well. And in fact, always you bring to light these businesses that I can support within our own Filipino community. Sometimes these businesses are evident and then sometimes they need a bit of a promotion. And I think for this episode we should talk a bit more about how community care can look like ethical consumer choices or boycotting or brand activism and have you provide us with a curated spotlight on at least three businesses that we can patronize and support. Sound like a plan? Well, it sounds like a plan. Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. So SIGs, consumerism or brand activism or boycotting, not boycotting, but boycotting, mm-hmm. are forms of community care that we can all practice every day. And in some ways, using our consumer power is actually a form of political action and is also a way of taking care of or supporting communities that we care about or supporting our own communities for that matter. Mm-hmm. So... You know, when I think about boycotting, there are some examples, and this started to occur with investigative journalism on supply chains using child labor in the global south. And consumers then afterwards started to redirect their buying power away from brands or consumers placing pressure on brands to do better. So do you remember the Nike sweatshop 
incidents in 1991 when it, they started to do this investigative journalism? Or do you remember that Kathy Lee Gifford clothes scandal, <laughs> you know, where her brands were being sold in Walmart? And you know, when they checked in on how her clothes were made in Honduras in 1996, it like reached epic proportions of, oh my gosh, Kathy Lee Gifford supports child labor and all okay. of that stuff. Do you remember uh, those I do. Those and for all the Hollow listeners that aren't Gen Xers like ourselves, Kathy Lee Gifford used to be our Kelly Ripa, right? So Ripa. she was Ke- Kelly Ripa before Kelly Ripa was Kelly Ripa with like Regis. Used to be Kathy Lee and Regis, and she was like this morning talk mm. show person. And oh, I saw these clothes at Walmart, and it was a big sham because they were all just made for pennies in Honduras in 1996. And yeah, it caused a lot of people to be upset, much like the Nike sweatshops in 1991, where. Okay, yeah, we want these brands, we want these clothes here, but at what cost? And when all those exploits were brought to light, a lot of people, I guess that was the beginning of cancel culture, right, Kuya? In some ways. And I think investigative journalism really revealing the labor conditions in these factories really made people think twice about, hmm, do I really want to actually spend money at Nike or Kathy Lee Gifford clothing at Walmart? It really made people think twice. And guess what? Their sales actually decreased in a number of different ways. And it actually hurt those brands. Mm -hmm. And then places like Nike and other, and Kathy Lee Gifford, for example, they really had to start thinking twice about reputation and how their reputation was taking a hit. And they needed to then suddenly start doing some internal governance and corporate responsibility, which I think is kind of when we started to see the emergence of these ideas of corporate social responsibility. Now it's all the the rave to do, you know, in terms (laughs) of their own private governance. Although I don't, I don't really know if private governance actually works, but it's interesting when once the public found out, it really influenced how people started to actually think about these brands. I think in recent memory, or, you know, when I think about recent memory, like really a decade ago, as opposed to two or three decades ago, ones that I thought about was kind of Apple and Foxconn factories regarding those overworked Chinese workers and a number of them committing suicide in 2010. And then I also, and I don't know if you heard about this, but you may recall the Canadian brand Joe Fresh being implicated in this. No. But there was the Rana Plaza disaster in Bangladesh. Oh my goodness. Okay, tell me this. On YouTube, if you can find, yeah. So what happened was in Bangladesh, there were this factory that was subcontracted to make a number of different clothing brands in 2013. And among them was Joe Fresh. And of course, this factory was not up to code and actually had too many people in this factory. It was like maybe seven, eight, nine stories tall, but it wasn't configured to hold all the machinery that would be required for a garment factory. So think of all these sewing machines and all these people in cramped quarters making Joe Fresh and, you know, brands and stuff like that in clothing. And they had actually closed it when an inspector came by saying that there was a crack in the concrete. Oh, God. And then what ended up happening was the inspector left and then people just, the owners told them to go back in and started sewing stuff. And then once everyone was back in, the weight of all the people and the machinery of the sewing machines and things that were needed to create these clothes suddenly all collapsed. Oh, my gosh. Leading to hundreds and thousands of people dying and and actually kids suddenly not having either siblings or 
parents or whatever the case may be. And of course, it led to a number of different types of corporate social governance and NGOs needing to be involved and stuff like that. And I think it's interesting, right? Because Joe Fresh really took a hit almost a decade ago, practically a decade ago, where they were an up-and-coming brand and then people didn't want to touch them after that. Now, of course, the public's memory is a little bit... It only lasts for a little bit before people start buying Joe Fresh again. But the hope is, is that Joe Fresh has tried to actually use factories or contract with factories that have better working conditions. And I think... Apple, for example, also kind of faced the same kind of issues around why are there a number of Chinese workers committing suicide? What? I've never heard of this. It was perhaps the... Yeah, so apparently, you know, the conditions in the chip factory that was making the chips for the Apple phone, Mm -hmm. they had put them on such tight schedules and had created such stress that, that... people started to kill themselves, unfortunately. Oh my gosh. Because they were being overworked. And so it really prompted Apple to rethink their supply chain and also at the same time try to improve the labor conditions of their workers in these contracted factories. So they've also put pressure because Apple is really brand sensitive. Mm -hmm. They know that anything, like they may be doing well now, but they just need a bad phone to explode on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, For them people to kind of... Correct. <laughs> to stay yeah. away, right? Yeah. So these things actually do make a difference. They might not be as long-lasting, but they do make a difference. And I'm sure that you thought hard enough, there were probably other brands that you may have stayed away from because you heard some bad stuff about them in some way, shape, or form. When we start to divert our consumer choices... That's boycotting or brand activism. Ah. Yeah, or ethical consumerism. You know, I think depending on the discipline, they'll call it different things. Yeah, but these forms of boycotting really involve protesting against a cause. And in this case, and the ones that I've just been kind of talking about here, these causes were really around unfair labor practices. Mm -hmm. And especially with the Rana Plaza disaster, the sweatshop, and the Kathy Lee Gifford scandal as well. That was more specifically around child labor, but enough awareness pressures these brands to make changes and improve conditions for labor in the global south, which in this case is the community that needs to be taken care of, are the global south laborers. Now, these examples of brand activism, these are just examples from the past, but I think recent examples of boycotting have involved buying from Black-owned businesses. So in this case, the cause is about kind of social justice and the community that needs to be taken care of, of course, is then the Black community. Or sometimes, you know, another form of boycotting has been buying food within a 100-kilometer radius. So in this case, the cause is really about environmental justice and the community is our own physical environment. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes buying from local businesses. Like, and I was thinking about our friend Mo, where she was telling me over the Christmas holidays that she didn't want an Amazon gift certificate. She wanted a gift certificate from Type Bookstore Mm -hmm. and deciding to kind of support the local community and local laborers community and service community. And the cause really is about kind of having decent working conditions in some ways. So these are just kind of things to think about in terms of how daily actions, as you were kind of wondering before we started this podcast, 
how you can actually provide community care, but in the form of boycotting ethical consumerism or brand activism. It sounds like what you're saying is we need to concentrate on a cause and community then make subtle shifts in our buying. It's funny because my wife sort of reminded me during the holidays and lately my wife has been buying beautiful pieces from like indigenous communities and indigenous owned businesses mm. along the lines for social justice and right. stuff. So was the orange shirt day or we've got fantastic Christmas presents and other gifts, art pieces and supported the community very much on the cause of social justice and giving back to those communities to need that support. Like even Tim Hortons, ethical grown coffee beans, you Uh, know, like there are some coffee beans in the world that are actually being grown in ways that actually contravene good, fair labor practices. And so just making those shifts become really important. And what I love about today's topic is is, is that I know you do this already. And I know that you bring up brands and social enterprises and Filipino enterprises that I need to be paying attention to, whether in the past it's been like Cambio and Company and say, Kuya, check their stuff out, right? And more. And so... I'm wondering if you can speak more to some of your most recent discoveries of Filipino, Filipina, Filipinex businesses that we can patronize and support and kind of practice this form of community care through boycotting or ethical consumerism or brand activism. Well, just because you said Cambion Company, and we've had a relationship with Jelaine from Cambion Company, the, the conscious fashion with Filipino soul designed and handcrafted in the Philippine pieces, clothing, jewelry. I just want to put a little bit of a highlight on them because Cambion Company reached out to us when we first started our podcast and they had mm. a stand up. And I don't know if you guys are familiar, we'll put Cambion Company's socials on that. They have a retail, they're specialized in contemporary conscious fashion made with Filipino soul. Every piece is designed and handcrafted in the Philippines by talented Filipino artisans to celebrate Filipino craftsmanship, heritage, and culture. So you do have people, like Filipinos in the Philippines and in the diaspora, the craftsmanship, it's actually outsourced. And you see, if you follow Jelaine, you can see all the work that they've done and the pieces that are coming in, or if there's delays, like the origins of pieces and the meaning for our culture, it's very interesting to see. You feel like you're supporting it. And she also has created great space for Filipinos and diaspora to connect with their roots in tangible ways, whether you're buying pieces of jewelry and learning about Filipino traditions through their fashion. From Jelaine and Cambion Company, I found one place that I bought pieces from, and it's called the Groggy Owl. Have you heard of the Groggy Owl, Kuya? No, tell me more. So the Groggy Owl is a jewelry brand, and I found this business through Cambion Company, and it's handcrafted pieces by a Filipino-Canadian artist named Sarah Dizon Sawinski. So she uses recycled, Mm. upcycled, and locally sourced materials wherever possible. They're all ethically sourced materials, eco-friendly packaging, meaningful custom pieces. They create jewelry that you can feel good about. Now, Currently, if you go to Gragiao and you follow them on Instagram, their website right is down right now and they're going to try to gear up to get more orders. So like, even though the website's down, take a look at their splash page on Instagram. They have wonderful pieces. So I think during the holidays, I said, you know what, I'm going to buy some meaningful pieces. And what she has, there's such like great trinkets. She's also linked up with other Filipino businesses. They had a little bit of a launch a couple years ago and they had these 
bangle bracelets with Pinai letters, and it was like, Maganda, Maarte. Mm. It was just really <laughs> great stuff working with other small businesses, creating this network. And with the Pinai collection, like bangles and earrings that said Maarte Maganda or Bruja, it was just wonderful. And she has like <laughs> brands and she has little collections like Diosa about like goddesses and Filipino mythology. And Emily has these lovely dangle earrings with calamansi leaves. Dang them. And they're beautiful wow. pieces, you know. And I'm not trying to knock other places where I've bought my wife. She wants a little costume jewelry, whether it's from anthropology or something. When I purchased from Sarah, <laughs> I know that it's from her hands. She works with her mom, like little dainty gemstones, big statement earrings. Like, not only is she doing this as like a passion project, a side job, she also is a professional in her career. And she's maintaining that balance. And wow. you really feel supportive, especially with Cambio and the Groggy Owl, Sarah. They're doing these amazing pieces and work. I think she did some stuff like at a Filipino market during the holidays. But I highly recommend I'll put her um, socials in the notes. Just beautiful little pieces, tidbits and origins of Filipino culture. And they're just beautiful, fun pieces. My wife was like, this is amazing stuff. And not only, and I think when it comes to small businesses, Kuya, I love ordering. And there's always a handwritten note I've gotten from Cambio and Groggy. Thank mm, you so much for yes. purchasing. And it's in their handwriting. And like, you post it. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much, Jelaine. And then yeah. automatically they give back, oh, we're so glad you love our earrings. And you see an Insta story about it. It's just... You really feel like you're giving back. Like, you know what? You can buy from big box stores. You can get from winners. But when someone is putting this heart and soul and giving you a little piece of your culture to us to consume it, you know it's going to a community. It's that community care, like you said. What's Yeah, it's helping out the community. It's also supporting the community. And it's also promoting our culture. Then we can feel nourished and taken care of by it as well. Like, And as you say, it feels like that there's returns back. They're reposting or just even making Emily very happy with what you may be showering her with in terms of some of these <laughs> you, you know my uh, wife my wife is buying. gonna be grinning when she hears this episode she's like so Kuya Jazz said to buy me more jewelry right and I'm like probably <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but what I want to tell our listeners is it is very funny since starting our podcast there has been community and networking so through Sarah Dizon Swinsky, she's an artist and she has a painting in the second volume of Living Hyphen so there's a lot of like Synchronicity mm. between Camion Company, Living Hyphen, the Groggy Owl. And it led me to this, I guess, like a business in the sense. Have you ever heard of entrepreneurship, Kuya? No. Okay. What is entrepreneurship? So, entrepreneur, I found them. And the reason why some of the people that listen to us, that follow us, entrepreneur is a, I want to say it's an uplifting business where they uplift other female Filipinas, Pinay, entrepreneur, that's why it's called that, to grow and network Filipino business over owners, mm-hmm. Filipino-led businesses. They have events like Kumari Circles. They have Toastmasters. I know not in person, but with COVID, they also have like a podcast. Mm. And it's an intriguing resource because if you go to entrepreneur.com or if you follow them on social media, on Instagram, they have a directory. So you can search by country and continent and find Filipina-led businesses. 
and links you right to them. So you have That's the opportunity so cool. to find the resources are there. I stumbled into them like a couple weeks ago. I've seen them. I think they we mm. follow them, and I'm pretty sure we've had Richie Valdez has done work with them. I'm sure that they've done stuff with Living Hyphen and Cameo and Company's listed in their Panay Letters has been too in the Groggy Owl. They're in this directory that's been curated through entrepreneurship. So cool. And what's great about this ecosystem, it's a global entrepreneurship ecosystem for self-identifying Filipino women. I'm not a Filipino woman, but as an ally, this resource is fantastic. They even have this amazing podcast hosted by Anna Marie Cruz, Amplifying Filipino Voices. There's a great episode when they did during Asian American uh, Heritage Month with Panay Podcaster. Like, it's a great episode. They right. had the Bruja baddies on it. It was fantastic. <laughs> I think what you had talked about in our last episode is there's a commitment to learning with community care, but if we can find resources and mutual that we can pass them on, I thought, hey, that totally links up what you had said to me last week. You know what? We're learning about more and we want to share these resources. So I stumbled into that resource and I thought it was really, really great, especially with this directory for several countries of all Filipino owned businesses. Like this is amazing. And I think it's just that network of like levitating in other businesses and I think there is like a program, like a upcoming events. There's like a apprenticeship program that they have that you can enroll in. It's pretty amazing. I'll put the links in our show notes. They have programs elevating Filipino entrepreneurs. Their mandate is basically to connect with them online, listen to the podcast, be discoverable in their directory, access entrepreneurship education and resources, and build a community of Filipino entrepreneurs and leaders. Now, I can't say more about it. I think it's pretty amazing, and I'll put their links in too. They sound- sound really amazing. I was just going to add that they sound like that they've created an entire community of care mm-hmm. where they've invited people to come be a part of it and then they take care of each other. And isn't that fantastic? They sound like a really great model to model oneself after in terms of living out and breathing out this idea of community care, especially through entrepreneurship. And of course, related to entrepreneurship is consumerism. And as we've been talking about kind of like consumer choices and making ethical consumer choices and boycotting as well, or brand activism. I think what I also love about all of this too is, is that what you're highlighting is elevating and supporting and caring for our own community. And isn't that great since we're part of this overall larger Filipina, Filipino, Filipinac community and diaspora. Mm-hmm. Any other kind of like things that we should know about, like our listeners should know about in terms of helping them make consumer choices or boycotting choices with respect to the Filipino community? Absolutely. And I have to end with this because I thought this was fantastic. We follow the Filipinos of Montreal. They're at Filipinos of Montreal. So they have a mm. podcast. They build a community of Filipinos in Montreal and they try to link and create this mm-hmm. like network. The Filipinos of Montreal, they honestly, they learn about their community by getting to know people. So I've mentioned them before during Filipino Heritage Mm. Month, they would focus on a different Filipino every day of the month. And they did a fantastic podcast over the last year. So what they did, do you remember on TikTok where it's the end of year, right? So they would have that like Adele song. What Filipinos Montreal, (laughs) Terry, Eric, and and Sherry, the people behind Filipinos Montreal, they did this hashtag support your friends 2022. And I'm going to put their mm. link, you should follow it. They have a TikTok and they have an Insta story of all the businesses you should support. And it's not even like one or two. It's so many. It could be about food. It could be about singers. It could be about barbers. It could be about food service. It could be about 
So All cool. Filipino. Give them major props for like curating this list, like local Filipinas, artists, business owners. And the main reason why I was thinking like, I really wanted Filipino food and desserts. And I'm like, I don't see as much in Ottawa. <laughs> I know we have some Filipino restaurants. And when I saw Filipinos in Montreal yes. do this, I found one place in Rigo, right near Rigo, Kuya, where oh. I used to work. Oh um, that there's someone that makes wow. like ube brownies. Wow. And I was like, how did I not know this? But it is a chocolate. Oh my God, that's amazing. It's at Filipinos of Montreal. The hashtag support your friends 2022. I'll put the link in. What those guys have done is just a quick TikTok and it has all these people. And immediately I followed like a couple of them all followed us back. Like when you see desserts, little pieces of Montreal so and supporting cool. that community. In Montreal, Quebec side, and there's some people, like, there's Dre, Pies by Dre, which is based in Toronto also, where you can get, you know, the calamansi right. pie, which is from, or the buko pie. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's those little motions, you know. It's nice to see another, you know, podcast shining light and elevating other people to, to boycott and support our community. Yes. Yeah. Community care at its best, right? When we start making those choices accordingly. That is fantastic, Sigs. I'm so glad that you have kind of, you know, shared your recent discoveries with mm-hmm. us. And I can't wait to check them out after we end our recording today. But I think just to kind of end off before we kind of move on to the fixing of the week, that listeners boycotting and making consumer choices as a form of community care really requires three things. And which is what Siggy and I have been discussing all throughout today's episode and part two of our four-part collection on social justice, which is choosing a cause and a community to champion, then making subtle shifts in your buying to help champion those communities. And then of course, a caveat, you know, it's important to research these brands or shops and ensure that what they represent is also in their social value DNA. So that's also something to just kind of say. So it's not enough for t-shirt maker to just say, stop anti-Asian hate, <laughs> yeah. you know, you got to really kind of see if they really believe that too as well. So that really takes us to the fixing of the week, which is find a cause you support and find ways of having your buying choices reflect your care and a care for a community. And if you need a bit of help, check out some links that Siggy will provide us in our show notes. So Sig, that takes us to the end. So I think you should take us out. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, and suggestions for future topics of Hollow Hollow Podcast, email us at hollowhollowpopculture at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at hollowhollowpop and on Instagram at hollowhollowpopculture. You can find the Hollow Hollow Podcast on all platforms. Please rate us and leave a review. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Babian. Our musical theme is by Chel Turingen, and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. Kuya, I promise you, we will get Ubi brownies the next time you come to Ottawa. I will order them from <laughs> Quebec. It'll be all good. Have a good week, guys. Mm.